Welcome to Disney Deciphered, a podcast dedicated to helping you and your family save money, time, and stress as you plan your Walt Disney World vacation. You're listening to Episode 3, Magic Kingdom 101, where we break down Orlando's most iconic park for first-timers and beginners, giving you a brief overview of what to look for, what to ride, and where to eat. Thanks and enjoy the show. I'm Joe from As the Joe Flies. And I'm Leslie from Trips with Tykes. And welcome back, everyone. So, you know, the first three episodes we had, we were just kind of setting things up, talking about, you know, why you want to visit Disney, why visiting Walt Disney World can be pretty intimidating and stressful. And so, you know, what we thought we'd do for the next few episodes is most people know, but not everyone knows that Walt Disney World is actually made up of four parks and two water parks. Um, so we thought we'd just give a brief overview of the parks one by one, starting with the Magic Kingdom. So let's start with this, Leslie. If someone was only in Walt Disney World for one day, why would you tell them that the Magic Kingdom is the park for them to visit? Yeah, it's just the classic. It's where everything is that you think of Disney, uh, the castle, Fantasyland, all of the, the classics that really built the Disney empire are there. And I think it's also the park that has the most for all ages. You know, there are plenty of rides for toddlers that babies can even go on. And of course, there are the big thrill rides like Thunder Mountain and Space Mountain that your teenagers are going to want to ride. So I think it's, if you only have one day, that's where I say go. Yeah. Magic Kingdom is just iconic Disney. When people think of Walt Disney World or even Disneyland, uh, you know, they think of the castle and that's where you're going to find it. So this episode, we're calling it Magic Kingdom 101. Um, and just to set this up, you know, over the Christmas holidays, um, and this is crazy for a million reasons, but my mother started texting me and she said that her friend was like literally in line outside the Magic Kingdom because they had driven down to Florida and they had decided last minute to go uh, visit the Magic Kingdom. And, you know, while people like Leslie and myself, we spend months planning our Disney vacations, um, we recognize, and obviously Disney recognizes because they have seasonal pricing, that there are people who just show up the day of and uh, decide to go to the parks. So we thought we'd just give a brief 10-minute overview of the Magic Kingdom, you know, for someone who, you know, maybe it's your friend, or maybe it's yourself, and that's why you're listening to this. But, you know, if you're waiting in line to buy tickets, the question is, how can you have the most fun and the least stressful uh, time at the Magic Kingdom for one day? What do you think about that, Leslie? Um, you think we can uh, help people have a easier and better time at the Magic Kingdom in 10 minutes? Yes, I think so. It's... You know, there's so much involved in planning a Disney vacation, but it is possible to do it on the fly. It won't be as perfect as if you have planned it, you know, six months in advance, but there are ways to avoid being the uh, person who stands in line for an hour. We don't want you to be that person, even if you haven't done any planning. That's right. So yeah, the first thing that, you know, I'd like to talk about is the Magic Kingdom. Unlike the other three parks, you can't just show up in the parking lot and walk to the front gate. So Leslie, you want to tell us a little bit about just kind of how transportation and getting to the Magic Kingdom works? Sure. I think it's the hardest park to reach for a lot of people, depending upon where they're staying. So it is on what they call the monorail loop, and there are several hotels on the monorail loop. But if you want to drive to the Magic Kingdom, you actually have to park at a place called the Transportation and Ticket Center, the TTC, and then take the monorail around. If you're staying in a Disney property, then there are buses that will drop you off right near the 
entrance to the Magic Kingdom, and that's usually the most direct way. But if you're if you have your own car, it is a little bit tricky to get there. You need to plan for that extra time to park, get on the monorail, and get yourself to the Magic Kingdom. So that's the biggest planning consideration to take into mind as you're going to that park. Yeah, and I would say that you know you kind of have to add an extra maybe half an hour into kind of your mindset. So if you know that the park opens at nine and you want to get there when it opens, you really kind of have to show up. Really, if you don't have your tickets yet, you really want to show up at the transportation and ticket center at around eight o'clock. There's also a ferry that you can take over. And the cast members always say that the ferry, the monorail, even when there's a line at the monorail, it takes about the same time. I'm not sure. I totally buy that. I will say the one trick that has always helped us in the past is there's actually two monorail loops. There's one that's called the express loop and there's another one that's called the resort loop. Um, the resort loop stops at all the different hotels that are on the monorail loop while the express loop goes straight to the magic kingdom. I found for the most part that if you take the resort loop, even though you're taking a further distance and you do more stops, um, just in terms of the lines, the lines are much shorter and, um, it doesn't take you as long to get to the park. Although people are getting wise. So that's starting to balance out a bit. So uh, once you get inside the park, you know, there's lots of activities to do. Um, and so we thought, you know, at the very least, we just kind of break down our, our favorite rides and activities for, um, you know, a few different demographics. So Leslie, if you had a favorite activity or ride for adults, um, you know, what would you recommend people can't miss? So many choices. Of course, Space Mountain is probably one of the biggest classic thrill rides in the Disney Pantheon. I mean, Disneyland and Disney World. So I'd say that'd be my pick. The Space Mountain ride is actually a little bit different than it is at other parks. It's bobsled style in Disney World. And I th- I always have found it pretty dark, which makes it even more thrilling because you really can't see the track and see how you're going to turn. So that's my pick for adults, teenagers, that crowd, the thrill ride crowd. What about you, Joe? Yeah, I think I'll go with um, what I said in uh, episode zero. You know, my favorite ride overall is Splash Mountain. And I think, you know, if you are an adult or a thrill ride seeker, you know, there's enough thrills there. There's a nice big drop. Um, but, you know, I think also if you ride Splash Mountain, especially if you have to end up waiting in line, you know, let's assume that you did show up on the day of, you know, you might not be able to get fast passes or things like that, which we won't even touch on a at all in this episode. Maybe we'll probably do that for something like magic kingdom 201 in the future. Um, but yeah, so, you know, if you are going to wait in line for a ride, you know, I think splash mountain is a good, it's a good, because it kind of just captures Disney. There's like great animatronics. Um, there's great music. Um, there's great scenery, you know, it's related to a movie, even though the movie is slightly problematic. Um, and there's a great big drop at the end. So I would say that uh, splash mountain is, you know, what I would recommend people do. Just be aware you're going to get very wet. So bring a change of socks if you have a kid who is going to be uncomfortable. Yeah, I would say another tip is uh, buy ponchos outside of the park. You can get them for like, you can get like four for like $8 at Amazon instead of buying one for $13 at uh, Disney World. You know, if you're in Florida, it can rain any time of the day. So you might as well have that poncho anyway and put that on um, when you go to Splash Mountain. Exactly. So if you're uh, traveling with, Little kids, Leslie, uh, what would you recommend? You know, there's so many great rides for little kids. So maybe, you know, why don't you give us two rides that you think um, kids would enjoy and preferably ones with short lines? Okay. Well, my top pick for younger kids is Dumbo. The Disney redid Dumbo a few years ago and made it into two carousels instead of just one. So 
the line got shorter as a result. But what they added was an interactive queue. It's a play area where you get a little beeper like you would at a restaurant and your kids get to go and play and have fun. And when your turn is up, then the beeper buzzes and you get to go ride the ride. So it's not as painful of a line if you have young kids and the ride itself is just a classic and one that you know young kids usually always enjoy. So that's number one. I'll pick one for a little bit older kids. I think a good first thrill ride is the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. It's not too crazy. The height limit is not too high. It's a great ride if you have, you know, I'd say maybe a four or five or six-year-old who is a little bit thrill-seeking, who is ready to go on their first coaster. What about you, Joe? What are your favorites? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to, my counterpoint to you for Seven Dwarfs Mine Train is... If you have a fast pass, then definitely you should take your uh, little kids on that if they are seeking some thrills. But if you don't have a fast pass for it, if you are in that situation where you just showed up on the day of, um, good luck. That line's going to be two hours long, probably, and you're not going to make it on there. Um, that being said, you know, I do love Dumbo. Um, the first ride my daughter ever went on at Disney World was teacups. Um, she really, you know, loved that. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of kind of easy rides um, to get on. There's teacups, Dumbo, like you mentioned. I think a great activity to do with uh, little kids is just to meet the characters uh, if they're not scared of it. Some of the characters have long lines, but for others, you know, you only have to wait like 15, 20 minutes. If you show up at um, right outside Dumbo, there's Pete's Magnific- Magnifique something or another, but, you know, Mickey, Minnie. Um, Daisy and Donald are all there. If you show up right at around 10 a.m. when it opens, the lines aren't that long and they can uh, meet some characters. So that's what I would suggest. In terms of dark rides, and dark rides means kind of rides that are on a track and they get dark at certain points. Um, almost all of them have kind of a quote-unquote scary section to them. For example, Little Mermaid has Ursula. Bear that in mind. Like my daughter doesn't like the dark ride. She gets too scared. So bear that in mind if you have little kids, but if your kids are into that, you know, I I think little mermaid is my favorite just because it's the coolest. And when it's hot outside, uh, it's really nice to be in there. What about you? What's your favorite dark ride? Oh, that's difficult. Um, I'm always a fan of Winnie the Pooh. I mean, it's obviously not as good at Disney world or Disneyland as it is at Tokyo. Um, but, uh, I think that rides just encapsulates, uh, Disney simplicity, and it's a character that everybody always knows. Um, so that's one of my favorites, even though it's not really super exciting in the grand scheme of things. I like Winnie the Pooh, but I still miss uh, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, which I know you get at Disneyland, but we don't get that out here on the East Coast. I know. that That is one of my absolute favorite rides. Um, and speaking of scary, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of darkness in some of the rides at Disneyland, even more so than at Disney World. So I don't think dark. they're quite as scary. You like uh, basically goes to hell, right? So it's pretty dark. Yeah, he drives into hell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, you know, for some kids or even adults, like I basically a ticket to the magic kingdom is going to run you like 110 bucks for one day. Um, and I know we talked in previous episodes that Disney does theme parks well, but you know, the question is, do they do them $110? Well, part of the reason for me that I think, you know, at least as a one-time thing, that's worth it. It's because the overall atmosphere of the parks is great. Even if you don't want to ride the rides. So is there a particular thing that you would recommend people check out, you know, even if they're avoiding rides, like how can they experience, um, the magic of Disney, even if they don't get to go on a lot of rides, let's say the lines are like really bad that day. So 
I would say one of the things is just, just the people watching, walking down Main Street, seeing other people enjoy Disney. Um, I'm also a big fan of just eating your way through the parks. There's so many great snacks at Disney World, and um, they're all over the place, and you can find them in the most unexpected of places. So go have a Dole Whip. Um, look for look for some of the other uh, treats. I also am a big fan of press pennies. That's a great thing for young kids to do and a cheap souvenir. There are these machines strategically located all over the park and they have different designs. And for 51 cents, you get a souvenir that has a Disney image on it. So that's a great tradition to start with your, with your kids. And it's not very expensive. Yeah. Dolp is pretty great. Uh, you get that Aloha Isle in Adventureland. It's right by the magic carpets of Aladdin. Also, uh, one thing I would really recommend people do is download the my disney experience app um, now you can mobile order which helps you you know you can get a dole whip without waiting in line um, which is pretty huge um, but that also you know if you start dipping your toes into things like fast passes and things like that you really need that my disney experience app to make that happen agreed there's even a map on there that's even if you don't use it for anything else it's nice to have the map on your phone so you don't get lost yeah and they'll navigate you which they didn't do uh, as of two years ago so that's pretty big um, for myself, you know, I would say even if you're not going on rides, if you have little kids, you know, the parades are great. Obviously the fireworks show happily ever after is great. I know that, you know, on a popular website, touring plans, the, uh, the move it, check it, dance and play it dance party is not very well rated, but I personally think it's great for kids. Um, that happens right in the hub in front of the castle. Um, you know, they bring a bunch of carts out. They bring a bunch of floats out and, uh, everyone's dancing and it's a fun time uh, for little kids, sometimes for adults as well. But yeah, you know, even if you don't uh, ride the rides, you know, check out a parade, walk around, um, go outside Casey's, which is a hot dog place right outside Main Street. There's a guy playing piano there sometimes. You know, there's a lot of things to do and see if you just kind of walk around and just kind of soak it in. It's it's almost like, uh, you know, it's not Paris, but, you know, it's like if you were going to a foreign country and just visiting another city, you just kind of get the feel of what it's like by just walking around and, um, enjoying seeing all the different sights and sounds that are out there. You can, you can't really walk around the magic kingdom for more than an hour without running into some sort of entertainment, um, whether you're seeking it out or not. All right. Last thing, uh, where would you recommend people eat lunch since if they're just there for a day, they're probably not going anywhere. True. So many good places to eat lunch. I am a huge fan of skipper canteen and be aware. It's not entirely kid friendly. There's not necessarily a lot of chicken fingers and things like that on the menu. But if your kid is pretty decent uh, in terms of their palate, that is just one of my absolute favorite places to go. It's, it's themed around sort of the, the jungle cruise uh, atmosphere. It's got corny jokes and all of that. That is just one of the true gems of the magic kingdom in my mind. What about you? Yeah, for me, I would recommend, uh, especially if you're looking for a healthier option, Columbia Harbor House. It's a quick service, which just means basically cafeteria style restaurant. It's um, right by the Haunted Mansion, um, but you can get a good salmon there that is uh, fairly healthy if you don't want your kids to just eat uh, chicken fingers or hot dogs or popcorn all day. All right, so I think we've uh, covered as much as we can of the Magic Kingdom in 10 minutes. Hopefully that gives people a good overview of you know ways to make their magic kingdom experience a little bit easier. Like I said, um, you know, as we go forth and forward in the podcast, um, we'll get, uh, deeper and deeper into things, but this is a good place to stop for today. But 
last thing, Leslie, if you had one tip for people visiting the Magic Kingdom to sign off with, what would it be? I would say just look at the map before you go to the park. I think that's a big mistake that a lot of people make, and they spend time, waste time in the park trying to figure out where they are. And the Magic Kingdom is pretty easy to navigate. You come down a straight away to the castle, there's a circular hub, and all the lands are off of there, and the lands themselves are connected. So look at the map so you know where you want to go. And that will just, having that in your brain, will save you tons of time on the ground. Yeah, so I think the one piece of advice I would have is, you know, the Magic Kingdom and really all of Walt Disney World, it's just a huge, huge place. And there's no way that you can get everything done in one day or even multiple days. So don't put pressure on yourself to see it all in one day. Just take your time. Take it easy. Like I said before, just soak in the ambiance. Just relax. Enjoy what you're doing and uh, have a good time. Whatever rides you get on, they'll be great. Whatever rides you don't get on, you can always come back later. Okay, so that'll wrap up episode three of the Disney Deciphered podcast. In the next episode, we plan to take a look at Epcot 101. So we hope you come back and join us for that. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we'd really appreciate it if you subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. You can also leave us a review there, which would really help us to grow the show. And yeah, if you like it, please uh, share it with your friends, maybe especially those who are planning trips to Walt Disney World, but you know, maybe don't want to invest as much time as the diehard Disney fan. Other than that, you can find me at As Joe Flies, and you can find Leslie at Trips with Tykes. Um, that's both our website and our social media names. Follow the podcast at WDW Deciphered on Twitter, Disney Deciphered on Facebook, and DisneyDeciphered.com. That's it. Thanks so much, Leslie. Uh, look forward to talking to you again, and we'll see you next time. Bye, Joe.